Let's turn back in our Bibles to John 17. In the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the night in which he was betrayed, as he prayed that he might glorify his Father by giving eternal life to all that the Father had given him, as he prayed that his Father would preserve those eleven chosen apostles, that he would leave in this world to be witnesses of his resurrection. And now we come to his prayer for us. While he prayed that the apostles would not be taken out of the world because they needed to outlive him, because they had a work to do after he was gone, in these verses we're going to see his prayer that eventually we will all go out of this world and that we will be with him. And so he steps it up a little for us and it should be the comfort of your souls. I begin at verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That verse helps us understand that verses 6 through 19 were about the apostles. Neither pray I for these alone. The reason the alone is there because of verse 9 that said, I pray for them, I pray not for the world. He had focused his prayer upon those 11 apostles and now he is switching. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, I now have another prayer for another category, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. The Christian religion is a religion given by God to Jesus Christ, our founder, our high priest, the apostle of our profession, and he is the chief cornerstone. But he in turn gave it to the apostles, and they are the foundation of the New Testament church and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are living stones in that temple of which the apostles are the foundation, and Jesus is the corner. They are important men. But here he's not praying for them. He's praying for those that would believe on him through their word. Because it's those apostles that went out and gave their word. And what was that word? Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah. And he has been raised from the dead according to those prophecies. And we have seen him. To be an apostle, you had to have been an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. You had to have spent and known him while he was alive on earth. And, been, and spent time with him from the beginning. The Apostle Paul was an exception because God appeared to Paul in private and let him see the risen Lord. And Paul tells us that in several places. Last of all, he was seen of me. And those apostles had great offices and they were not ashamed of them. The Apostle Paul said, I magnify mine office. My office is to be the apostle of the Gentiles, the preacher and teacher of the Gentiles, and I magnify that office. They gave the word. In Psalm 68 it says, The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. What does Handel's Messiah say? The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of the preachers. preachers. Those that published it. The apostles went and published the religion and the words God gave Jesus Christ and that he gave them. And so the definition here is, 
of those Jesus is praying for are those that believe on Jesus Christ according to apostolic faith. I pray for them also which shall believe on me through their word. We do not believe on Jesus Christ through the word of an athlete. That we haul in and put in the pulpit to give us some testimony that he's a lover of Jesus when he scores touchdowns for the University of Tennessee. That is not a measure of a true believer. A true believer is one who loves the message of the apostles. And if you read the epistles written by the apostles, there's no fluff in them. There's no stories about Peter or James or Jude or Paul when they were in high school. No stories about gridiron feats by the Apostle Paul. Whenever he does mention anything from his past, he says, I count it all as dung. It's all a bunch of dung. It's the apostolic faith. God gave to Jesus Christ a message that he gave to his apostles. He committed to them. He taught them. He explained it to them. And then he gave them the Holy Spirit so that they would remember the things that he had taught them. And so they preached it perfectly and they wrote it down for us. And it is the apostolic faith and it's what we measure our Christianity by. This is a transitional verse moving toward us. Are you in verse 20 of John 17? Are you in it? Because it's going to get better than this verse. This verse is just defining who he's praying for. Do you believe the record that the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ put down in the epistles we have in the New Testament and the gospels we have in the New Testament? Do you believe that record? Right. Then Jesus Christ was praying for you 2,000 years ago before you knew him. He knew you and was praying for you. In his darkest hour, in his most terrible night, he prayed for you. Do you believe the record that God has given of his son through the apostles? Just remember, a bare belief is nothing but a devilish faith, and it will get you nowhere. It's no evidence that Jesus prayed for you in John 17. The evidence that Jesus prayed for you in John 17 is if you believe the record that the apostles gave of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it changes your life. That is to be understood here. Just as it's to be understood when the Bible says no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Paul in that place, without any further explanation, does not mean you just mouthing the word words, Jesus is Lord. He means that you are living your life as if Jesus were Lord to you. That is only done by the Spirit of God. No man gets up and has a holy life and seeks to persuade others of that pure religion of Christianity that does not do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. And here when it says belief, we know that we are speaking of more than just bare belief. More than just devilish faith. Look at John 8. I need to remind you of this because this is a sober thought about our religion. Turn to John chapter 8. It's just back a few pages. Verse 30 tells us, John 8, 30. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, 
If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And if you were to read ahead another 15 verses, you would find out these that believed on him then wanted to kill him. Because he provoked them a little bit by telling them that their relationship to Abraham meant nothing. If ye continue in my word. So what we have to ask ourselves right now before the God of heaven is do I believe the record the apostles have given of Jesus Christ? And am I continuing in that word or am I turning away from it? Am I a Sunday only believer? Or am I a two year believer? Or is this the rule of my faith and practice for all of my life? That's the evidence of eternal life. That is a true disciple. That's a true Christian. That's one Jesus prayed for. Verse 21. What's his prayer? Here's the object of his prayer. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. The best indication, the best proof that we give of the divine origin of Christianity is loving one another. Didn't he just teach them one half mile earlier on the road from the Lord's Supper to this point? Didn't he just teach them in John 13? By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, by the love ye have one to another. The best way we can demonstrate the truth of God's word is by our lives and by loving each other. God puts us together in churches, and it was mentioned on Wednesday evening as we had our Thanksgiving service here. And we are very different from each other. We, we come from different parts of the country, even different parts of the world. We have different parental training. We have different habits, different preferences, different temperaments, different economic levels. We are different in, by every measure, except one. We're all made equal in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the prayer is that we would act like one. Paul would tell Titus, Titus, you know, we were once foolish, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. And he goes on to describe how he they were changed by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The world should see in this church, whenever they take a look at us, whether they visit an assembly or they see us interacting outside these walls, there is love between those people. They serve each other. They care about each other. They agree with each other. They are willing to submit their own desires to one another to satisfy and help each other. And Jesus is praying for this. After he identifies who he's praying for in verse 20, he identifies what he's praying for in verse 21. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. And that's what I began with earlier today from Ephesians 4. That we might remember that there is one God, one Lord Jesus Christ, one faith, one hope, one baptism, one body, one spirit. And that we would endeavor to maintain that unity. And unity means one. That we would work and work hard to keep one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That we with all lowliness of mind, 
Why does he have to say lowliness of mind? Because it's the puffed up mind that causes divisions. It's someone who thinks more highly of themselves and their thoughts than they ought to think that causes trouble in churches. It's a humility and lowliness of mind that keeps us in agreement. When we humble ourselves and give ourselves up to what others choose to do in matters of liberty, and when we give ourselves up to the word of God together in matters of doctrine and practice. And when we do that, we are a demonstration of the divine origin of Christianity. And Jesus is praying for that. Verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. This may be the hardest verse in John 17. I hope I can make it simple. Look at what it says again. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. What glory or what honor did God give to Jesus Christ that he gave to believers that they could all be one together? What was that glory and that honor that would make believers as one and would make them one with God as God and his son were one? Some say it's the glory of his divine nature. Oh, yes. Is there a religion in our country? I think it's stationed in Utah that says we can all be little gods. Well, we don't believe that because the divine nature of Jesus Christ cannot be communicated to sinners. It cannot be communicated to flesh and blood or to us. We reject that one. This is not the mediatorial glory of Jesus Christ that God was going to give him on his ascension. Because he alone is the mediator. We aren't mediators and we're not co-mediators. We're mediated. This is not eternal glory or glorification because he's speaking of while we're still here on earth, he's going to get to when we're in heaven in another verse. This is not the glory of miracles and the ability to work miracles was called a glory because not all believers have had the gift of miracles. So you can go through all the possible glory that may have been given and we reject them all until we come to this. And if we look around, verse 22, we can get a hint at it. And then by comparing Scripture with Scripture, we can narrow it down and be content with the solution. Verse 23 is going to tell us, I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So right there in context, we have Jesus saying, The fact that you have loved me is very important, and that's what I want to be known. God's love of his son, Jesus Christ, is in verse 23. When we come to verse 24, Father. And he goes on down through the next two verses and speaks of God as his father. That he wants them to be one with his father and with himself as he is one with his father. I want you, I'm I'm trying to lead you to without just telling you. If you think about the love that God had toward the Lord Jesus Christ from eternity by covenant. And he showed it to him when he was alive on earth. What happened at his baptism? The Holy Spirit came down upon him and a voice from heaven said. This is my beloved 
son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What is the great position that Jesus Christ has by virtue of him coming to earth and God giving him glory and honor? The son of God. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. When were those words fulfilled? At his birth, at his conception, or his resurrection and ascension? His resurrection and ascension. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He is the first begotten of the dead. Jesus, as the son of God, is the greatest demonstration of God's love because God entered into a relationship with him of father to son. And he proclaims that throughout the universe. He is the son of God. That's the foundation of our whole religion. Jesus is the son of God. Because it is God owning a man, a man as his son and exalting that man above the angels that is glory and honor. Is it called glory and honor in the Bible? Yes, it is. If we go over to Hebrews 1 and 2, does it say from Psalm 8, the Apostle Paul is quoting Psalm 8. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Thou hast put all things under his feet. And then Paul said, But we don't see all things put under his feet. That is under your feet or my feet. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with with glory and honor as the Son of God in heaven with the angels of God worshiping him. Verse 22. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one Even as we are one. Has Jesus Christ given us glory? We are the sons of God by what he, him making us accepted in the beloved. But to them that received him, but, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know this, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Our most exalted position and the greatest glory we have is to be a son of God. The glory that God gave Jesus. This is my beloved son. He said that at his baptism. Do you remember another time that he said that from heaven? The Mount of Transfiguration, because Peter got the idea that maybe we should build three tabernacles. One for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The Lord didn't like that idea. He said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Forget about Moses and Elijah, and think about my son, Jesus Christ. What What did the centurion say? When he saw the earthquake, the sun darkened. And Jesus hanging on the cross, truly this man was the Son of God. What glory did God give Jesus Christ? He made him his son and exalted him as his son over all principalities and powers, all angels, all devils. What has God done for us through Jesus Christ? Made us the sons of God. What ties us all together? So that he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Not ashamed to call them brethren. Hebrews chapter 2. Behold, I and the children 
which God hath given me. I have given to them the glory that you gave me. You have made me your son, all those that believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ, I make the sons of God as well. And together, that is how we are one, because it's the family of God, with God as our Father. Jesus Christ is a son of God, and we are all sons of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That is how I understand John 17 and verse 22. Any other glory that you might come up with from the New Testament cannot match the glory of being a son of God, along with Jesus Christ being a son of God. Many more things could be said about that because there's many more verses. The Holy Ghost that is given to us, what does it testify to us above everything else? That we are the sons of God and we address our Father in Heaven as Abba Abba Father. Romans 8, Galatians 4. That's what the Holy Spirit testifies is the greatest gift we have being made the sons of God. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What manner of love was bestowed upon Jesus of Nazareth that he should be called the Son of God. Did the Jews like him calling himself the Son of God? No, not at all. Because he was taking to himself the highest, loftiest idea of the Old Testament and terminology of the Old Testament to be the Christ of God. The Son of God. God gave that to Jesus and Jesus gave that to us by purchasing our adoption. We are the sons of God, brethren. And he has given us that glory. And when we get to heaven, he's going to be our brother. He's going to call you brother. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The family of God. What an incredible blessing. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. As the sons of God, we are to live without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. May God help us do that. Brethren, do you understand the glory of being a son of God? Do you understand the glory of being adopted by God to be his son? He doesn't adopt everyone. He went into the orphanage of sinful humanity and saw a few rebels spitting at the glass. That is the plexiglass because we were so wicked and rebellious and he chose us to be his children. He adopted us as his sons. How do you know if you're a son of God or not? By believing the apostolic record that has been given of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the evidence of it. Verse 23 The easiest way to be one, i got to stay at verse 22 for another minute. The easiest way to be one is to remember that everyone else that claims to be a child of God or is a child of God is your brother in Christ. What is it? What is John, the same writer of scripture, tell us over here? And you know he says it several times in 1 John. I'll just read one place. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Is born as what? A son of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Since we've been made the sons of God, we have this nature that loves God. And if we love God, we're also going to love those others who have been born of God. We will love God and we will love the children of God because they're our brothers. 
Verse 23. I in them and thou in me. Who's the them? Those are the sons of God. Those that the Father had given, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are those that believe on the apostolic record of Jesus of Nazareth. He is in them. I in them and thou in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. In John 14 and 15, which occurred right before this prayer, Jesus told his apostles, I'm going away. But if you love me and keep my commandments, I will come again. I will come again to you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And my Father and I will make up our abode with you and we will dwell with you forever. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of His dear Son in Galatians chapter 4. It's the Holy Spirit that inhabits us that is the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one. Endeavoring, I hope you can follow, think about the words, endeavoring to maintain the unity of the, of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because it's the Holy Spirit inside us which is the spiritual presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to endeavor to keep that unity with our brothers and sisters. Brethren, are you made perfect in one so that the world recognizes your Christianity by your love? Twenty three tells us that we can show the world our Christianity. Verse twenty four. Father. I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. He had said about the apostles, Father, I do not pray that they be taken out of the world. I pray that they might be delivered from the evil that is in the world. Now he's praying I pray that they may be with me where I am. Now, he's not there yet, is he? When he spoke those words, he wasn't there yet, but he was going to be there in six weeks. And so he just spoke of a thing as if it were already done, because when God purposes to do something, it's as good as done. Can you think of someone else that he said something like this to? I want you to be where I am or where I will be this day. Was there a thief that said, Lord... Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus turned to that thief on the cross and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Because the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ went to heaven that day. And the spirit of the thief joined him there. This is the prayer of the Father. Jesus is going to be made and declared and displayed to the universe as the glorious Son of God. He is praying here in this 24th verse. I want these that you have given me that believe on me through the record of the apostles to be with me where I am so that they can see that glory. I want them to see it and to know that thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus would say in Revelation chapter 3, he would say to the church there that he's addressing in verse 9, he says, those that are of the synagogue of Satan, I hate. And I'm going to make them come and fall before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Who's he writing to in Revelation chapters 2 and 3? He's writing to Gentile churches. 
those Jews that crucified the Lord of glory and rejected him were going to know that Jesus Christ had loved those Gentiles and had not loved them because he said he hated the synagogue of Satan. There's only one kind of people that have ever worshipped in a synagogue, and it's the Jews that crucified the Lord of glory. Anybody that was converted by Paul's preaching or any other preaching by an apostle left the synagogue in order to enter into a church of the Lord Jesus Christ after having been baptized in his name. Jesus was fully crowned with glory at his resurrection and ascension. But that glory is going to be displayed to the whole universe in a day that's coming. In his times, he shall show that he is the blessed and only potentate, king of kings and lord of lords. And we're going to partake in that with him. Never forget that when you read about Jesus being on a white horse in John 19, there are other white horses behind him in John 19. And who are on those white horses? The saints, those that believe the record that God gave of his son through the apostles. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. Isn't that the truth? The world does not know about God our Father. Neither do they know about Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ knew the Father, and these, these that you've given me, they've also believed the word I've given, and they believe that thou art the Father in heaven. The world hath not known thee, but I've known thee, and these have known that you sent me. It is, it is amazing to look at our media, and we have more information than the world has ever had at our fingertips. We can now access and read mountains, literal universes of information. And how much of it is about the identity of God and his son, Jesus Christ? They have not known me. Even on a day like Thanksgiving, they do not give the glory to God, nor do they give the glory to his son, Jesus Christ. They have not known me, but Jesus Christ knew him. And we have known that God sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior. It is by the grace of God. I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, And I in them. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Jesus said, I have declared thy name to them. I've taught them about you, and I will declare it. When Jesus left the earth, did his ministry of declaring the name and religion of God decline or increase? It increased by the power of the Holy Ghost. Because he endued them with power from on high so that their understanding was opened and they knew more after his death and resurrection and departure from this earth than they did while he was here. I have declared it, I will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Is the love that God had for Christ, the love that Jesus Christ has for God, the love that Jesus Christ has for us, is it in your heart? Do you love the Lord thy God this morning? And do you love the brothers and sisters sitting around you that God has given as the children of God? This is the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will notice that all the petitions in it are of a very spiritual nature. Because these are the most important things for us. 
This chapter matches up so well with Paul's emphasis on our unity, our agreement in one faith, and our love of one another, and our service to one another. If you've read the epistles of Paul, you understand John 17. If you understand John 17, you can read and understand the epistles of Paul, because they teach the same lesson. We must come away from this chapter and ask ourselves, I'm not an apostle, so how do I get into John 17 so that Jesus prayed for me? You get in there by believing the apostolic record that is given of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's contained right here, especially in the epistles of Paul, because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. May God bless the preaching of his word. And everyone that has not humbled themselves to the apostolic record of Jesus Christ, you should do so today. And it is the way you should live for the rest of your life. Jesus Christ has, will, and ever shall pray for you. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen.